and welcome to the Safe Space Podcast. I hope you find whatever it is you need here with me in order to help you unlock what I like to call those light bulb moments. I just want to start off by clarifying I am in no way a medical professional or expert in the field. So if you need assistance, please speak to a trusted person or professional as the content can be triggering for some people. And we also want to acknowledge the traditional owners of this country throughout Australia and we pay our respects to the elders of past and present. Now, let's get into it. In this episode, we chat with Louise Azopardi, who is a 25-year-old tradeswoman empowerment coach. Her journey actually started as a 15-year-old kid on a farm who became just one of three women in a heavy vehicle mechanic apprenticeship. While her journey may not have been smooth sailing, she has unintentionally been paving the way for future generations as a female in a male-dominated workplace. She is what I would like to call a leader in her field. When she started off as a heavy vehicle mechanic, she noticed that there were still plenty of gaps within gender equality within Australian workplaces. Since then, she has been mentoring other tradeswomen by passing on her knowledge, breaking down stereotypes, and empowering them to be included in the conversations as people at work. Hey Louise, did you just want to start off by introducing yourself and your incredible story? Um, my name's Louise, I'm a tradeswoman empowerment coach. So I have been like mentoring tradeswomen for a long time, um, just talking about my experiences. And as my network expanded, I become aware of like heaps of different groups that are doing stuff in the space, like there's there's almost a group for anything that's happening now. Um, getting all, like tackling all different parts of like the gender equality situation because there's so many different levels of it. And for me, I saw a lot of things happening in different spaces where I saw like a lot of stuff happening to get women into trades and a lot of stuff happening to get like women into leadership roles. But I kind of felt that there was this disconnect of what happens to the women once they're in these roles. Like, does anyone support them? Like, I found support in my position because I actively looked for it. And there was people in my life who actively gave that to me. But it wasn't a formal arrangement or anything. And if I hadn't been lucky enough to cross paths with those people, then I wouldn't have gotten that support. So, and I was like trying to do it through businesses, like businesses that I was working for were like, yeah, we really like want you to, you know, work on this and like support the women and blah, blah, blah. But then as soon as I'd start doing it, they'd be like, oh no, you can't do that. You can't do this. You you know, they're just making things really hard. And I got really sick of it. And I was just like, you know what? Literally all I want to do is help people like in their day-to-day lives, um, And I found coaching last year during like the COVID lockdown. So last year as in 2020. Um, And then I started looking at it as a pathway for myself because when I found coaching, I was like, this is an amazing concept of what you can do. But I only ever kind of thought of coaching as someone that like something that like CEOs get or like high end business people. And I'm like, cool. Like I had this thought, I'm like, am I too young to get coaching? Like, um, like, is anyone going to help me with like career coaching? Or is it just like, that's what I was looking at. I was like, shit, like, could I get a career coach? Cause I was like, so stuck in like, I want to do this stuff. Um, and I found that there wasn't too many like things that I could find easily that was coaching people like me. 
young, early 20s, female and male dominated trades. There was like all these business women and stuff like that, like getting coaching and like being coaches and stuff. But I'm like, who gets us? Who gets our story? And then I was like, you know what? If there's, if I can't find anyone, then I'm going to be that person. Yeah, 100%. The last time I spoke to you, I don't know, it was a little while ago. But I remember you specifically mentioning how there was not like much catering for women in trades let alone like heavy duty mechanic trades has that changed at all since you first started do you think it's more inclusive I think it's really specific to each business and the businesses only tend to become inclusive if they have had a female go through so if they're a business that never has hired a female in a certain position they've never had to accommodate I don't really like the word accommodate. Like they've never really had that shift in the environment because they haven't had a woman come through. Um, So I think it's like really like, it's almost like spot fires kind of thing. It's like if a spark lands, so like if a woman's in that business, then it will create a change. But if there's no woman in that business, in that position, then no change, it's it's not necessary for them to make a change. Because mm, they're not actively having to, I guess, obviously deal with that presence being there. And even still, like I would imagine some women might not be as you know empowered to speak up about things if they are one of the first or only women in that space. How do you think women would tackle that? I don't know. It's It's a bit, it depends a lot. Like the factors that I've seen from like my own experience and a lot of the women that I talk to is it depends a lot on like the age of the woman, the experience of like her past experiences, um, how comfortable she feels in the environment, if she's known the people that she's worked with before or not, or if it's new people. And like all of these factors don't have an effect in any, that their effects aren't the same for every person. Because then sometimes if someone's working for someone they know and something bad happens, they don't want to upset or break the friendship. But then they might be in that same circumstance if something bad happens, they might feel comfortable to talk to someone they know. And then there's the opposite. Like if they go into a workplace they don't know, they might be scared to damage their reputation um, or like be seen as like complaining or something if something bad happens. Or they might think, you know, stuff that I don't know anyone here, I'm going to stand my ground. So there's a few, like everyone reacts differently in every environment, but it's just feeling safe to speak up. And the one thing that has been consistent is like a lot of people are worried that it's going to damage their career. They're worried that they're going to, you know, that's the girl that whinged about sexual harassment. That's the girl that got so-and-so fired. I think that's the most common thought. I've chatted to other women about and a thought that I've had as well when situations have got a bit rough like oh people are just going to think of me as as this girl who complained about this and got some guy fired and no one's going to hire me again. And I guess how do you suggest people build that sense of safety to feel empowered? I think it's just being aware of yourself and your feelings at the time because a lot of people kind of you know you might have a knee-jerk reaction and then compress that feeling and pretend it doesn't happen kind of thing and you're just like or you laugh it off that that's the biggest thing I hate when people just say oh I just laughed it off because I I laughed myself into a giant 
mess <laughs> like almost like kind of that's probably the easiest way I kept laughing off a comment and then everyone thought it was okay to say that comment and then I just ended up having this massive emotional breakdown because it wasn't okay for me but I never drew that line but just being able to I think that's the most important thing drawing the line for you everyone's line is different you know some people have been through different experiences that they might tolerate something a bit more or tolerate it less but then just being able to be like, I'm not comfortable with that comment. Can you, can we please not say it? And just having that, that communication is probably like the best thing to do going into those situations. And it can be hard because you're like that kind of same thoughts, like, oh, if people think I'm like complaining or something, but people say that like, you know, if someone has a breakup, it's just kind of like a universal thing not to talk about their partner. Like it's the same, like their ex-partner. It's just like, yeah, this is, this is not okay for me. This is a boundary for me. And just finding the confidence to say, please, no, I don't like it is so important. It's so simple, but it's so important. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with you there. But again, it's just so hard having that sense of confidence and safety. It's, it's kind of like a double-edged sword, isn't it? And I was even just talking about this today, like building leadership roles within the company, right? And selecting just a few different female staff members to do that. And I was a bit taken back by it. I understand where they're coming from is that they're trying to do something better. But it's like, essentially not really dealing with the issue you're just putting more pressure on women to kind of prove themselves in the space for men and and that essentially keeps separating us by making us do more work to be on the same playing field I don't know I just thought you might find that interesting and I just want to see what your opinion on that would be yeah so that's a really funny one because it's it's pretty similar to like just quotas in general in different workplaces so pretty much yeah quotas are just yeah you need to hire a certain amount of women a certain amount of um, people with a disability certain amount of um, like aboriginal or Torres Strait Islanders are a few of the common ones but then it is that double-edged sword because then you have to prove yourself and for me what I found a lot in the trades is that if someone has heard this happen at some business, even if the workplace doesn't have a quota, if there is a female or someone like diverse in the industry, they the the dominant kind of group will be like, oh, you just got in because you're a diversity hire. And then you have to prove yourself, you might not have been in because of a quota. They might not have a quota, but they don't like, it's not common knowledge. So sometimes like the workplace just puts a blanket on it like the the culture puts a blanket on like that kind of thing but also like I was talking to a HR person at my last job about it and she didn't see any other way she's like how like what else can we do like she was just like we need to put the women in there and the women need to change the culture and I'm like you're giving them this big job without even telling them like they just think they they're to get an apprenticeship or like you know become a leader but they're really like the behind the scenes thing is like, we'll just put some women in there and they'll change it. <laughs> it's just a funny, it's depending on what side you're looking at it, depends on your view on it. But like, that's why another thing that why I led to the coaching is like, I've had seen so many girls fall apart because maybe they weren't quite ready for the position. Maybe they should have been knocked back. 
because they weren't ready for that position and then it's just destroyed their confidence, their mental health. You know, the bullying has just brought them down and the company's just chucked them in there without any support. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing, isn't it? I feel like personally for myself when I had um, a similar issue, I found that the accessibility to my kind of situation was really like hard to find, like information on what to do next essentially and it's like everyone goes oh yeah call this crisis helpline everyone goes and sends you off to all these different places but it's like really what can you do for me in my position now to help me get where I need to be and that's like you say where I think you've also recognized there's a big gap there is such a big gap it's like the only help you can get is extreme help so like HG yeah crisis helpline and like those things definitely have their place and their purpose but there's a few steps that people could do before getting to that crisis. Like, ideally, we'd hope no one would get to the crisis point. Like, but there's things that people can do in between, but the information just isn't out there. And as well with HR, um, like a lot of the options that HR give to people is just kind of like, so do you want us to sack this other person? Like, there's not like, here's some tools on how to communicate better with difficult people. Like, there's there's a few steps that are, are missing in there. Yeah, and why do you think that is? I just think the documentation and the the not the documentation, I don't know. The job positions haven't been created for that because no one's been able to put a monetary value on a position like that. Cuz a lot of businesses just operate on money. And you know, HR deal with that extreme, they need to get the bad eggs out. And that's a financial decision that has a financial outcome. But helping people communicate better and possibly prevent something happening doesn't have any monetary value on it because it's like, how can we measure this? I think even a lot in like my industry and even with my personal experience and what I've seen, working in such a, a safe, like an industry where things can go wrong quite easily because you're dealing with big, heavy stuff that moves around. <laughs> um, but if you don't value your life in a moment, you forget the safety because you don't care what the outcome is. And it's really dangerous. No matter how many policies people put in, no matter how many different, like just thinking like lifting arrangements for equipment and how brightly colored things are so people don't hit them and do this, do that. If someone doesn't care about their life and themselves, no bright coloured thing, no barrier, no workplace procedure is going to protect them from getting hurt. Yeah, wow. And I guess so far, what are some of the things you wish people knew about working in a male-dominated field that they probably don't? I think how important the little language is. Like some things, like some jokes are really degrading, but no one sees it that way. And one comment that I pointed out once I was starting to be really, really aware of language and how it's used and how it makes people feel and like unconscious thoughts and stuff like that is even a girl can do it. Like that saying, even a girl can do it. Like, are you saying that I'm incapable? Like what, what's the go? And everyone, I brought it up once because it was only very recent. It was probably last year when I finally clicked in my head. I'm like, this is an issue. But then my manager said it's just words and I'm like 
you're literally putting down half the population by saying something's easy. Like maybe say a toddler can do it. Like, but, or even a girl can do it. Like that, that's a, a little one that'll probably take ages to stamp out. But even just jokes about, you know, people being drunk, hooking up with people, it makes these kind of behaviours okay. If someone's thinking about doing it, like a younger person in a workforce and then they hear someone else making a rape joke or something like that, then this young person is like, cool, like it's okay for me to pressure this woman into doing that because so-and-so that I look up to in the workforce is making a rape joke. Like, it's, yeah got a lot of layers to it yeah language is so important when you think about it as well while you might not have intent behind what you're saying I think it's very good to be conscious of what you're saying without saying it if that makes sense yeah that's it those little jokes that are so normal that don't actually add any value and make things worse yeah especially if you don't understand the weight of those words then that's usually a privileged thing isn't it as well that's it that's it it's crazy I think probably another thing would be that oh, recognising your body is different. Like that was something that being a young girl, so I was 15 when I started my mechanical apprenticeship and like you have a monthly cycle. That's how your body works. <laughs> but I was like, no, nope, it's not getting in my way to the point where so now I've got so uh, last year I was diagnosed with PMDD, which is premenstrual dysphoric disorder. So extreme PMS, put simply. And it's hard to deal with, especially when you're pretending that you don't have a monthly cycle because you don't want to lose opportunities or anything to the point where it then becomes unsafe. You get eight sick days a year for a reason. I've got one company that I talk to. They actually give all the women in their business an extra day a month. So they get an extra 12 days sick leave, which I think is bloody awesome. But it's it can get to the point where it's unsafe. If you're feeling weak, if you can't concentrate, if your mental health is suffering, which is what happens to me in my cycle, my mental health really does suffer. And I'm medicated for that now. But because I was pretending that I didn't have a monthly cycle and I didn't, I wasn't matching these symptoms up to my cycle, like it just prolonged the suffering for me, like internally, because I was really just putting on a mask. Yeah, wow. That, yeah, it's crazy to think that as well. And um, I guess so far for you with this initiative that you've kind of taken on, um, what have been some of the obstacles or challenges you've faced so far and what are some of the ones you think you'll continue to see and face? I think, so with myself personally and starting the project of doing tradeswomen empowerment coaching and being about six months in, is probably just believing that I, believing in myself that I have the knowledge to share. Um, because I have had a few situations where looking for a coach for myself I have come across people who will be like, shouldn't you get a bit more experience? Like you're very young. And I'm like, I'm not trying to coach CEOs. I'm trying to coach other people who are just a few steps behind me and to pull them up with anything. Like when I picture myself, I'm kind of like, you know, when you see people like hoist each other over the fence and like someone helps them up and hoist them over, I feel like that's what I want to do with my industry. Like I'm a tradeswoman, I'm a trainer and assessor. 
that's what I studied, but I want to lift all these other tradeswomen up so then they can become leaders. And just, just because I haven't become a leader doesn't mean I can get, can't get someone into a position where they could then, they have that strong base to then become a leader. So I think that mentally was the hardest thing for me to overcome and it still comes up every now and then as, as mental patterns do. Um, but for the women that I've been coaching and talking to, self-confidence, imposter syndrome, coming back after some bullying or sexual harassment, leaving a bad workplace and still having those tainted feelings even though they're in a new workplace is some of the biggest things that, like, well, the most common things that they're overcoming. Yeah, it's, it's tough, isn't it? It's just, yeah, a long way to go and I feel like a lot of people think we're in a lot better position than we are and it's not until you experience it personally you really see it for what it is. That's it. Like like I said earlier on, like workshops that accept diverse people are kind of like spot fires. If they've had someone there, they've they've got it. But every day a business is taking on someone who's a woman, who's got a disability, mental health, for the first time. And sometimes those experiences don't go too smoothly for both parties. Like they just don't they don't see each other's sides. Like they don't. I, mean, I did um I actually got my little thing up there. So if we're um Toastmasters, I did uh table topics contest. So Toastmasters is a public speaking group and table topics is like you get asked a question and you have to speak for it for two minutes just straight off the bat, no prep. And um one of the, I got the question, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? And I was like, I would want people to see both sides of a situation because like it's so often that we get caught up in how we are. Uh, what about all angles? What happens to this person? What happens to the little person? What happens to the big company? Because it affects everyone differently. Yeah, no, that's a really great way of looking at it as well. And I think if people were more open to understanding other people's point of view, I guess essentially is what we're saying, I feel like we we'd have a lot less problems in the world as well. And having the conversations, because I know like a lot of, even when I go into a workshop as an experienced trade person, but am the first female in that space, all that business has had a bad experience with a female before where she has either caused trouble or actually had someone sexually harassing her, but the guys hadn't known the rest of the story. They get really nervous around you. And they change the way they speak mm-hmm. and everything because they're just not sure. And being able to like have that conversation with them, them being like, what are you okay with? What what lines, what barriers do you have? And even just not in a conversation with just women, like even like men bully other men all the time and just people in general, like what are your boundaries? Tell us, do you like to swear? Is there any words that are off limits? Like all that kind of stuff. Like, But no one has those conversations. Yeah. And how do you think we can kind of normalise having those conversations and what's the barrier to having those conversations? I think it's just having people in the workplace that are willing to have those conversations. And then it's almost like reverse peer pressure or peer pressure in a good way. It's like they see other people doing it. It's like, oh, yeah, it's okay like to be like, hey, what are your boundaries? Like, are you okay? What what can I can't do? Let me know if something bothers you. And if one person in a business starts doing that, especially an influential person, 
like a team leader or something like that starts those conversations and generally it feeds around the workplace but there needs to kind of be a champion of that in the space yeah exactly to set it like a precedent for everyone else um yeah and I guess so far like what's something you think you've learned from you know this journey you've been on so far and why has it been so important to you I think like what I'm capable of is is just kind of really opened my eyes to what I can do and the impact that I can have on people and just how everyone's like when I was like a teenager when you're like a bit different to everyone else so like being like more into masculine things as a girl growing up like to protect yourself you kind of become really narrow-minded so it's really easy to deflect things but knowing that that armor isn't needed kind of thing like that you know you can find places where you're safe around people who aren't like you and it's okay that other people are different I think yeah something like in my teen years definitely like before I was 20 I was super rigid to protect myself kind of thing and then that comes back to feeling a sense of safety doesn't it Mm that's it it's like everything else is bad just stay out of my like just don't even come in my in my bubble like just just leave me alone (laughs) yeah oh that's that's so true and um (laughs) so far what is one of the most ridiculous things or myths you've had someone say to you about your experience I guess or something you've heard you're like yeah I've had um there's been a few like kind of different scenarios I had one where like a family friend who's known me for a really long time I think it happened like two or three years ago her daughter was like wanted to leave school at the end of year 10 and she just I was like literally right in front of her and she's known me since I was really little and she's like oh my daughter wants to like leave at the end of year 10 but there's nothing for her to do besides like beauty therapy and stuff and I was like uh trades hello like you have two sons that are in trades that are older as well but it was kind of like that she didn't even realize what she was saying she was like totally just limiting her daughter to all of this and I was like oh like come on get with the times let's go but it's just so built in and programmed like I don't blame her she didn't say it in a negative way but even just recognizing and like looking around the circle and seeing me there she was like oh yeah actually she could do a trade like kind of thing Another thing that I had um, a one workplace. So when I went and worked for um, the family-owned business, I was working on this site where they hadn't had a female in the workshop before, and there was no bin in the bathroom. And so I went to the the guy who ran the site, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, if I'm going to be working here all the time, like I'm going to need a bin in the bathroom. Like, can you do it?" And I thought he would get it. Like, he's married, he's got a daughter. Like, you know, there there can be a few gaps filled that don't need to be spoken about. So I issued. <laughs> And then it like got a few weeks in and, you know, it was my cycle was coming and I was like, you know, how'd you go with that bin? And he's like, what do you mean? I thought you were joking. And I'm like, um, like I, I get my period. So I need a bin for the stuff. And he was like, oh, okay, okay. I'll get it for you. I'll get it for you. And like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. But it is, this, it's the little things, right. That fall through the gaps and, that don't really need to be said, but 
it's just crazy i feel like you, you still have to say them clearly that's it and i think like with a lot of people what they don't understand is that the little things all add up so maybe someone hasn't been through a big sexual harassment issue or anything like that but they're constantly fighting these tiny little battles with the words you know with a bin with getting a clean toilet with just you know not being looked down at because you're short like they're fighting these little little battles and they build up they make you exhausted over time yeah yeah it's exhausting feeling like you're always on you know uphill battle and I guess essentially because I feel like yeah like you've had a lot of these experiences and you probably see it with a lot of the the women you talk to as well how do you practice I guess self-care or like looking after yourself during those times when you're like, okay, I'm feeling really overwhelmed right now or not sure what to do. Like, yeah, how do you look after yourself? I think for me, because I did repress a lot of my feelings for a long time, is like allowing yourself to feel the feelings. It's just been such a big part of like my personal healing journey and like kind of telling people and giving people the permission to, you know, be angry for a little bit. Like, if someone pissed you off, let yourself be angry. Don't pretend it didn't make you angry. Don't 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 sook at it for days and days, but let it out. Find a solution. Don't if you don't recognize you're having a negative feeling, you're not gonna be able to think of a way to make a solution. So I think just like, yeah, sometimes you just need to watch a sad movie on Netflix and eat chocolate and then the next day you're like, Cool, I really did feel upset about that what am I going to do next? What's my steps going forward? Yeah. And that's a really good way to kind of take a step back. And I guess the other thing is, because essentially workplaces, I feel like a reflections of the community at large. And so how do you think all these obstacles women face are kind of indicative of the world we live in? I think just like, even just the little comments and stuff, like I, the little comments that people in your family and stuff and even just like the jokes about like little kids having boyfriends and girlfriends and just like you know how girls like little girls are told you know like oh dad's gonna like shoot any guy that comes near you whereas the guys like the the baby toddlers are like oh you're gonna attract so many women like that even that I'm just like why why do we say that they are babies but just little things like that like those the language comes across in family situations like that and even for me I got told for a long time the only reason why I haven't heard it is because we've been in lockdown and I haven't been around these people but people would always like my dad's mates would say to me all the time like you're going to be such a great like wife because you can do the outside stuff and also cook and clean and I'm like what like for ages I just was like okay yeah I'm just going to be destined to be a wife kind of thing and then and then I kind of flipped it like when I started being aware of it being like wait a second why would I need a husband if I could do both of those things and you think that everything's just work related like (laughs) and then I just started laughing at myself that way kind of like laughing at it that way to deal with it because it was just so big and so many people were saying that like I couldn't I wasn't in a position to change it but just just comments like oh you're going to be a good wife like yep you're going to be like such a good this that like or you you should never cook you just need to like get a wife that'll just cook for you like that kind of that language yeah and also actually think speaking of that I think I saw something I was giving you a little stalk before not to seem creepy or anything and I saw a little um quote that you had and it said um to make today count 
And I guess why is that phrase important to you? I think like because you just don't know if you're going to get tomorrow. And like in like our age group and even like personally myself, having those really dark thoughts when your mental health gets really bad and having friends that have taken their own lives and, you know, just little things that happen, like now being in in the age group where, you know, people are having, like other women in the community are having miscarriages and stillborn kids, like you you never know what's going to happen next. So we just got to do what we can right now. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, there's no better time than now, right? That's it. Um, And also, I guess the other thing is, how do you think, uh, like, your perceived gender stereotypes have impacted you both professionally and personally so far? I think the main thing that I notice all the time is that I'm always ready to be disrespected. Like, I'm surprised when I enter a space and am respected. Like, I'm always, just because for me personally, it is easier to bring down my guard than to put it up quickly. It's just, it's just how it's become. Yeah, wow. And do you think that's because of your perceived, like, gender stereotype being seen as a woman? Yeah, just having to, you know, prove myself in every situation. Like, yes, I'm the teacher here because I have had this many years' experience. Yeah, like, I can teach you this. Like, yeah, I have done my time, like yes I am small but I can still do all the work like just getting asked those questions all the time when I'm just entering a a space where I'm supposed to be teaching I guess the like one of the last questions how do you think education can change what we're kind of seeing today both within the workplace and then essentially the people that come from those workplaces in the society we're in I think it's just education being not gender bias or not education having no bias to it when it's being taught kind of thing like a lot of stuff is like oh girls always read the instructions and boys don't kind of thing like the it comes back to the language again <laughs> just in the educational sense <laughs> but um just and not limiting opportunities for different classes as well like you know sometimes different classes like cooking and you know textiles and sewing and that kind of thing have like a bias towards females and then woodwork metalwork and that have a bias towards the males when they're being offered in the in the scenario so just also that language about what opportunities and what you can learn and what will be useful in your life Mm. and I guess how how would you suggest people do that in order to you know not have those biases when it comes to stereotyped kind of roles and things like that I think it's just picking out the people who are like on the fence and actually supporting them to make the decision that they want so like I've seen a lot of like guys be like oh maybe I could do sewing but I don't want to get bullied by my mate and having like a careers advisor or a teacher there being able to be like hey do you want to like let's have a chat about that let's talk about that and then slowly with people becoming more and more confident like that, I think eventually like the people will shuffle around to where they actually want to be. Yeah, exactly. And that comes back down to, again, that feeling of safety and security in making your decision. Yeah, that's it. And I think like a lot of people take, you know, talking about sexual harassment as you want to get someone punished 
Whereas like you want to talk about what's happened to you as a way to heal yourself and be able to move on with your life. Yeah, and it's not about throwing people in jail. It's about, um, I think, respect for people. Um, And like you say, I think as well with the language around or the dialogue around, you know, having conversations around sexual harassment is just not there because it's just this big scary conversation that no one wants to have. Um, And even you feel a bit dirty when you talk about it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You need to talk about something for it to change. Acknowledge its existence. (laughs) before it could be changed. <laughs> so what's next for you and this initiative? And also where can people find you if they want to, you know, get more information? Yeah. So um, you can, people can add me on Facebook, um, just Louise as a party. I've also got a Facebook group. So tradeswomen owning their power. Um, it is open to everyone. All of my, most of my content is based on my experience as a tradeswoman, hence the name. Um, and you can also follow me on Instagram at Louise underscore as party underscore 1996. Yeah, that's pretty much up to my last question because obviously the podcast is called Safe Space Project. Um, when you think of the word safe space, what do you think of? I think of just somewhere where it's okay to be me. That's great. Aww. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode today, Louise. And if you want to check out more about her work, or just want to give us some feedback, please head to the Safe Space Project Instagram or safespaceproject.info for more details.